the day the Lord has made, and you are listening to the MJ Podcast, episode Unbridled Passion. At least it was for Jacob that night when he finally got to sleep with Rachel, or so he thought. That's right, you guys know the story of Genesis 29. This man waited. Well, well, he didn't just wait. He also worked for this woman for seven years. Rachel, the younger daughter of Laban and Leah's younger sister, was shapely and beautiful, is what Genesis twenty nine sixteen says. Rachel was shapely and beautiful. She was a good-looking broad. And Jacob loved Rachel. And he even vowed to serve seven years, promised to serve seven years to get with this girl. Wow. Hello. She must have been some hot, a hot chick. I mean, she must have been really something because Jacob was really willing to pay the price to have her as his bride. So my question is, how do you think Jacob made love to Rachel on their wedding night when he finally got to have her as his bride? I mean, the Bible doesn't ask you this question, but the Bible does talk about sex. And that's why we're talking about this story in our intro today, is because we're going to prove that the Bible talks about sex just to make sure all you haters of the MJ ministry and the MJ podcast understand that God knows what you're up to. God knows what man is really like. And... Sex is not only in the Bible, but sex was actually created by God himself. Yeah. So, back to our story. How do you think Jacob would have been with his wife on their wedding night after working and waiting so long to get with her and to have her? Oh, I'm sure, especially he was tipsy, I am sure there was some unbridled passion that night. Unfortunately, when he wakes up, he realizes that he has made sweet, passionate love to a woman he did not love and was not in love with and was actually, to make matters worse, wasn't just any random chick like a maid that he just happened to accidentally sleep with. No, 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 no. It was Rachel's sister. Can you imagine how he felt, the turmoil that he felt when he realizes, I mean, quote, unquote, he's banging the wrong broad. Oops. (laughs) And can you imagine how Rachel felt? That night, when she was not the one in that wedding chamber, or in that dress, or under that veil. 
think about it. I mean, other than the father's tomfoolery and and wickedness of him deceiving Jacob by slipping him the other daughter, Rachel and Jacob have been flirting and seeing each other for seven years. The tension, the sexual tension, has been building for seven years between these two. He's so excited about their wedding night and getting with her and being with her. He doesn't even check to make sure it's her first. This is how much he trusts either the father-in-law or, you know, like I said, maybe it was just the wedding wine <laughs> that had him feeling so good. But he makes love to Leah that night thinking it's Rachel. Rachel, it all had to go down that night, right? The switcheroo. And so you got to think about Rachel here. She's thinking it's going to be her up until she sees what her father does, right? And and covers her sister with the wedding dress. And dad says, trust me or whatever he says. I'll give you to him later, whatever he says, right? We don't know what Laban says to Rachel to get her to do this. Or maybe she doesn't have a choice. Maybe that's, you know, the part of it. If there's a man willing to operate in that kind of wickedness, they probably just listen to him because they know they're better off listening to him than getting in trouble with this crazy man. <laughs> but Rachel, if you think about it, She's probably thinking all night long, waiting by the phone, surely he, he will realize that it's not me that he's with. You ever waited for a lover? You ever waited for the phone to ring? And here's Rachel on her wedding night. She's like thinking, okay, surely... Once they're alone and he starts to get her neck. I mean, like, surely he will realize the woman in front of him, connected to him, that he is connecting with, is not me. And she waits all night long. Nothing. As a matter of fact, the entire night passes. And it's the next morning. And she's still waiting. He's sleeping in, right? He doesn't realize the wedded bliss has happened. He wakes up, snoozing, right? Slept in because he's tired from the night before, whatever. It was a wedding night. I mean, there was a lot of activity the night before. And the morning after is awakened to a very harsh, very sad reality of not having the woman he really wants in his bed. But the deed is done. What happened happened, right? I mean, he can't take this back. But just think about Rachel this whole time this story is playing out. Now, Genesis 29 is a story that we're reading. But what I just explained to you is literally like one or two scriptures. Genesis 29, 25. When morning came, there was Leah. What have you done to me? Jacob said to Laban. Wasn't it for Rachel that I served you? Why have you deceived me? And then Laban goes on to be like, oh, well, that's not our custom. So trickery is their custom, apparently. Deceit is their custom. Watch out when the culture is corrupt. Watch out when the, when the um, culture is sinful or the family dynamic is sinful. Because th- there we go. You're raised in that. You will think it is right when actually it's wrong. Laban replied, it is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older. 
So then he said, finish the week celebration, which is the wedding celebration. And then I'll give you the other one too. Whoa, buying and trading women, buying and trading girls, buying and trading your own daughters? Does that sound like a man with God's heart? Mm. It's one thing to be wise with your daughters. It's another thing to sell them off like this. And he says, we will give you the younger one in return for another seven years of work. So at least he knows there's a high value in both of his daughters because, I mean, to demand seven years and actually 14 in this case of a commitment from a man in order to have him marry into the family, I mean, that is some respect. That's some major respect. The man knows his worth, but he really did his daughters dirty. I mean, can you imagine if your father did you this way? Thankfully, this is not a picture of our Heavenly Father because God does not hurt, harm, or endanger, or barter, or trade us, or any of those things. God loves us. God keeps us. God wants us safe. God wants us holy and pure, so much so that he makes us that way through his spirit. Which in those days, I mean, women did not work. They were treated like property, which is what we see in this story. Laban's just using his daughters as bartering material. Now Rachel gets her man, but after he's been with somebody else. Guys, let me just say this. Because I know what men are like. They don't want to be with with you ladies after you've been with another man. Usually. They might be with you once, initially, and then they might be done with you if that's the way that they roll. But a man will not stay with you and keep you as his if you're with someone else. Because the Bible calls having sex with a man, like marriage, calls it, calls the woman at the well, called those men her husband. And the Bible talks about a husband's rage and jealousy. That tender doe, the affection of that woman, he won't share that with another man. He wants that all for himself. That's how men are. They just are that way. They're, they're creatures of dominion. They're predator-like in nature, some of them. That is just how they are. There's a competition a lot of times for the woman, for the mate. And once they quote-unquote conquer it and get that prize, they unfortunately may not value it as much after they get it, but the truth is it's theirs. And if somebody else takes it or has it, a lot of times they don't want it anymore. Like a baby deer. Once, don't go up to a baby deer if it's lost, because once it gets the scent of a human on it, of another creature on it, its mother may not take it back. There is a parable in so many things of life that is pretty well known about guys and how they operate. But let's just be clear. Let me just speak for the women as I often do. Some of us are straight G and we the same way. I I ain't like that. You get one shot with me and that's it, bro. You get one shot. Once you stink like somebody else, I can't get, I can't get with that. You had your chance. I, I, it's just me. Some women can forgive and go back and be with a man who's been with somebody else. I, I cannot. I find that irreconcilable. I cannot. If a man wants me to love him, 
with all my heart, mind, body, and soul, right? Give my body, give myself to him, give my affection to him, right? Tend to him, care for him, take care of him, do the wife thing or whatever it is, do the girlfriend thing, do the loving thing. He must first do that for me. There's, there is a reciprocity in relationships. There isn't a matching of giving effort and energy and an openness of heart. That's why communication is so important. And to be honest, that's why communication has to be reliable and trustworthy. So you don't end up with the wrong broad, right? Because if you're being duped in dating, you're building a life based on deceit. If you can't communicate and, and get an understanding in dating, it's just going to be that much harder. You have to learn to communicate with each other, which takes patience, right? Which takes being able to listen, caring what the other person has to say, hearing them out, right? Thinking about the things that they've said because a lot can transpire in a very short amount of time. So I'm just putting it out there for the girls because it is 2002 and not, <laughs> what, what was it like? 2000 BC, I don't know what it was before Christ in the story of um, Rachel and Jacob and Leah. But this is, this is, when I say I know what men are like, there are some realities about men and their ego and how they operate with women that you, I've just honestly learned from experience. That's how I am. I feel like if men are that way, I need to know it. I need to realize it. I need to Walk in wisdom and trust God with the true desires and hidden intentions of my heart. Why? Because the days are evil. Because in the last days, mankind, not just men here, I'm not just picking on the men. Mankind will be lovers of themselves. Selfish. Ungrateful. Unholy. I mean, a man can have one of the hottest. What do we see right now prominent in the world? Man can be some of the richest, wealthiest, most Famous, most influential, I mean, most successful people in the world. And they can have the most gorgeous, most talented, the sexiest woman in the world. And they still can't be faithful to her. That's selfish. That's selfishness. And it's in the root of every man, woman, and child. We have a root of self in each one of us. That's where all the sin comes from, is selfish. God is not selfish. He knows who he is. He has no pride or ego that he has to defend. He's just God. He doesn't have to act out on who he is because he is and always will be. That's the beauty of knowing who you are. You become unmovable. When you know who you are in Christ, when you know what God has positioned and appointed and anointed you to do, you can become unmovable, unshakable, and grounded in him. What does that have to do with today's podcast? Well, God is eternal. He's permanent, unmovable, unshakable. And that's, uh, right, the rock of our salvation. And God calls our salvation what? A marriage, a covenant, a new covenant. And that's what God wants marriage to be. He wants to be the thing that holds it together, that makes it unshakable. God wants to hold your marriage together for your entire lifetime. That's why marriage is a picture of salvation. Is because when you get saved, you are not be, you're being saved for not just your lifetime. You're being saved with eternal life. And we've talked about this before. How marriage is a covenant. And people do not understand the significance of covenant 
with God. It represents a shedding of blood, which is why when the covenant is broken, there's, there's some death. There is some form of death that comes in. Hurt feelings. If a covenant is broken on one side, it is also opening the man up for wounds and dishonor. I mean, y'all need to read Proverbs. Who do you think is going to wound him if a man commits adultery? Who do you think is going to dishonor him if he commits adultery? Duh. Death has crept in. It is Death is nothing to play with. I mean, is that what people think? That it's just something to play with? And see, that's why the MJ ministry is going on. is because God cares about our sex lives. Because he designed sex to be within the union of one man and one woman for life. Let's go on to read the rest of our story today. Because there's another character... Who, as bad as it sounded already for Rachel, which I described her night, and it's <laughs> probably a hellish night for her, but there's a story on Leah's side as well, as we've already talked about. She enjoyed wedded bliss with Jacob, but she was actually being loved as if she was the love of his life. As if she was the wanted wife. And that's what Leah experienced that night with Jacob. And so we're going to read between the lines. Poor Leah. This story, what does it say over and over again? That Leah was not loved. Why do you think... The Bible says that she was not loved. Because remember, Jacob doesn't realize it's not Rachel until the next morning. So Jacob makes love to Leah, thinking it's Rachel. That's what we're told as the beginning of, of this marriage situation with this, these three people. And then the story goes on to say, as I said over and over again, that Leah was not loved. But it actually talks about, because Jacob already married Leah and got duped by the father-in-law, that Jacob did actually sleep with Leah again and they had children. So again, poor Leah. Do you think that man ever made love to her the same way. I mean, it had to be different, right? A woman absolutely knows and can tell how a man really feels about her. And it says that Leah conceived again. And we know the next morning she was rejected. So, of course, intimacy was affected in this case. And I think the, probably the moral of, of Leah's story is if you're sleeping with someone who doesn't even love you, that the Lord will have mercy, and like he did on Leah, and he gave her children, right? He opened her womb and gave her children. And he didn't 
for whatever reason, give that to Rachel at that point. So the very interesting story and only brought up in the intro to prove the point that sex and relationships are absolutely part of the Bible and there for us to dissect, just like we would dissect any of the laws or customs in any of the other books. This is here in Genesis 29, and we know already how important marriage is to God. Leah, in her prayers, as she's conceiving, Genesis 29, 31 through 35, actually, no, yeah, all the way through 35, it talks about Leah is continuing, I mean, because the dad threw her under the bus, right? Leah had to marry this chump. Well, she continues to have eight children by Jacob. So I don't know if she conceived on their wedding night. But again, she sleeps with him more than once. Do you think that she was able to tell the next seven times that he did not love her? Yeah. Yeah. Of course she could tell. Why? Because it tells us in her prayers that she's actually naming her children. Now maybe my husband will love me. Now maybe my husband will come attached to me because I've borne him three sons. So she slept with a man that she didn't love, that didn't love her and had kids by him three times. She had three children by him. I'm talking about Levi in verse 34. Levi, the tribe of Levi, is literally unloved by their father, unwanted by their father in this picture. That'll blow your mind. That'll absolutely blow your mind. God, and it, God opened her womb and she bore children. Isn't this amazing? Poor thing. I mean, she's being used by this man. Why is he still sleeping with her? I guess because he thought he could. I guess because... She was there. I mean, he couldn't get out of it. He was tricked. That was the, the time and day and age back then. That was what the father did, did to him. He, didn't, he couldn't control that. But this is his life now. He's, he's got this crazy life now because of what his father-in-law did to him. And despite the fact that Jacob jumped into bed with the wrong broad on his own wedding night and did not care to check under the veil for the right woman, right? Despite all that foolishness, God still wants to bless Jacob by giving him children. Now, he uses Leah to do it at first. But God does bless Jacob with children, which tells us that God cares about Jacob's bloodline. If God didn't care about Jacob's bloodline, then we wouldn't have verse 15, verse 18, verse 22, and verse 25. Not even that. It doesn't stop there. But also verse 27 and Genesis 46. Genesis chapter 46 where it goes on to list, these are the sons of Rachel. These are the sons of, of Zilpah. These are the sons of Leah. 
Jacob's family who went to Egypt were 70 in all. God is literally doing a head count and a roll call of Jacob's life. He's taking inventory, right? He's counting heads. He cares about this man's bloodline. And God absolutely cares about a man's bloodline. Why? Because if a man is out there doing what men can do, which is give in to their lust. I mean, hello. Some men are tempted in other areas than others. We all have different things that test us. There are certain pleasures that some of us give into that others are not inclined to give into. We don't get to judge why they are that way or are not that way because we don't know what they've been through that makes them that way. What we do see is that God cares about a man's sex life. Why? Because God wants sex to be fruitful and multiply. God wants babies. God wants children. Hello? Children of God versus children of disobedience. God wants fruit. God wants fruitfulness. God wants children in his kingdom. He wants everyone to come to the saving knowledge of Christ. So if a man doesn't realize that he can give the gift of life to any woman he wants, and he's out there slanging that thing anywhere he wants, pardon my French, God's going to deal with him. God's going to put life in that belly and settle his butt down. There's only so many households a man can build. And, and we see here, Jacob grew so large, he actually tears, right? He severs and separates with Laban and gets out from under that oppressive yoke of that man and starts his own thing once he's prosperous enough. He does his own thing and he's got this huge tribe now through his, through his children, through his wives, right? He's now actually got other men that are submitted and answer to him. Why? Because he's the head of household. He's the head of the family. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that cool? It's a big deal to be a man because a man, yes, the woman is the vessel in which a man reproduces, but a woman cannot reproduce on her own separate from the man. She needs the man. And man is the head of that bloodline or that race, just like Adam was the head or the bloodline of all of us until we came under the blood of Christ, the blood of Jesus. Again, this represents a covenant, a new covenant. That's why there's a shedding of blood when covenants happen. When you go into a marriage, when you go into a woman and she's never been with a man before, a covenant is formed. Before that, she has a covenant with God herself because God gave her that part in her body. Covenant matters. It's the man's bloodline. A son will pass through him into her to be born. Pass through circumcision of the flesh. Hello, are you guys hearing Bible terms in marriage yet? Marriage is it's sacred and it's holy. And God wants it to be a blessing to your life. That's why if it's misused, if sex even is misused, it can put a hurting and derail your life like you've never seen before or you've never felt before because God wants it within the safety and security of a covenant union that you have made before God with man witnessing. That's how that's one of the ways it actually becomes unshakable. Doing things God God's way going to the city gates for that woman 
answering for her to her father, right? Just like Jacob was asking um, Laban for uh, for Rachel. He didn't ask for Leah, just got her, got stuck with her. But he asked God for Rachel. This is covenant. This is marriage. This is the this is Christ's relationship with us. He wants it to be unshakable, blood bought. Which is why the old covenant is shakable because it depended on man. And we know that man is faulty. How do we know that? What was the 622 and the 1822? Is she virtuous, bro? Well, is he faithful, ladies? <laughs> because a lot of times how that woman acts and how that woman behaves and what she does in her life and her heart even towards God is a representation of how well that man has or has not loved her. The man is the head. He gets the position of Christ. So he's the foundation of the home, right? His schedule, his routine, who he is, what's acceptable spiritually, what's being allowed, the sin and wickedness that is allowed or disallowed in that home because of the covering of the man will absolutely affect the woman, especially if she's having to fight against his stuff, right? Because he's not picking up his shield, of faith or he's not picking up his sword or whatever he's doing. He's just letting robbers and bandits come in and just destroy his crops and his family instead of picking up the word of God and speaking life over them and speaking against death and speaking against the curses that the world tries to put on people. I mean, it's dangerous for a man to curse his own beloved beings because God has given him that anointing and authority over his household. You better speak life into those babies if you want them to ever grow up to be anything. Don't be surprised when they're nothing and you, and you always hold them that their whole life. I'm going to get off that one because that one is personal and it hurts me to see mothers just talk down and be mean to their babies. But the truth is they're coming from an empty place. They have no love to give because they've never received it. How can we give what you have not first received? If any of us is loving or generous or kind, it's because God has first loved us in some way even if it was through a person and taught us how to love or maybe how to respect another human being or maybe the opposite sex or whatever it may be. But marriage absolutely matters to God and we play around with sex and marriage like it's nothing. That's, that's dangerous. If it doesn't mean anything to him, ladies, you really ought to back back. Be careful because it's not special to him. And that's exactly what happens. A man gets this fabulous chick, the sexiest woman alive, and then he gets a big ego like he got that thing. Instead of being grateful to God, he internalizes that as if he did it. He becomes puffed up in pride as if he deserves that gift of grace, as if he deserves that gift of God and royalty, right? She's the crown. A man needs a woman. He can wear like a crown. <laughs> Like a cat that wraps around. <laughs> That's one of my poems I did. I think it was last week or the week before. But a, a man needs, right? She is his, his royalty. She is his crown. She will crown him with the precious oil that drips down. I mean, that is what a man wears on his arm is his jewelry, his woman. She's walking at his side. Let a normal, basic, average dude get a really hot chick and all of a sudden he's something. I mean, like literally some really ugly dudes I can think of right now have some really bad chicks. I mean, some really hot chicks. 
And so everybody loves him. Why? Because because of the woman. It has nothing to do with the man. Because of the woman. Because she's so hot. She's so nice. Or whatever it is. Now all of a sudden, all everybody likes the man because of that woman, right? At least it shows he has good taste. <laughs> I guess that's what they think. But a woman literally is favor on a man's life. She can crown him. And it's dangerous to mistreat that gift from God as if she is not equal to you. Guys, you've been with me long enough on the MJ podcast to learn how a woman can put a hurting on a man. Pray to God she's not like Jezebel. <laughs> Pray to God she's not vindictive and, and pay, repays wrong for wrong, right? Repays evil for evil. Because a true woman's heart, if she loves a man, if she loves her husband, if she really loves the man she's with, so she will, she will do him good all of his days. And actually, the way that Proverbs puts it, what's this translation I've got here in the Christian Standard Bible? Verse 12 of Proverbs 31, she rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. So she's repaying him, rewarding him with good all of her days, even when he's not good. Isn't that a picture of God's love for us? The grace of God when we don't deserve to be loved, when we don't deserve to be favored, when we don't deserve to be taken back. She still rewards him with good. This is why marriage is all about forgiveness. You better pick a quality character man, a good man. Because otherwise you're going to have a lot more to forgive if you pick somebody whose character is, is wanting, is, is deeply flawed or twisted in some way. If that's the case, you're going to have a whole lot of grievances to forgive. And I recommend you go, you go find you another one. Unless that's what you want to build with. Right? That's the foundation of your home. Those are the spiritual battles you'll be signing up for. Because a lot of women can overlook things. Right? If we know he's a good man, he's got a good heart and all. Even though he's got a few little personality or character things he needs to work on. If he's a good guy, some of that's, I mean, he's worth fighting for, right? He's worth taking back and at least trying. If you, if you see he's willing to try with you, God's not going to give you a perfect mate, ladies gentlemen, guys, God's not going to give you a perfect mate. Why? Because he doesn't love you? No, because there aren't any. <laughs> There's none available. There's no such thing as a perfect person. And if there was one perfect person, then we would all be the same. Because we would all have to agree that that is the exact standard make and model that we should all be. And man, God gave a free choice. So there's deviations from perfection. That's why we're all the different beautiful colors of light reflecting Christ. Because the perfect man position has already been met and fulfilled in Christ Jesus, our true husband, our true Lord. Because none of us can be perfect. All of us fall short in some way, whether it be personality, and literally even physical defect and informity, infirmities. Literally, there's so many ways that we can fall short of God's glory Simply because we're born into a sinful world with a sinful nature. And every man has a choice 
to to accept Christ, to accept God's goodness and God's favor and God's grace for life and existence, God's way of salvation, or to reject it. That's your choice. Just like marriage should be, is supposed to be a choice. You're supposed to have a free will when it comes to marriage. And if that's ever been taken away from you, I can't imagine anything more painful than not getting to marry the person that you want to marry or be with the person that you want to be with for the rest of your life. And now you don't get to be with that person. See, now we're, now we're talking about salvation. Because if you don't get to be with and marry the person that you want to wake up next to every day, that you want to talk to every night, that you want to cook meals with every night, that you want to go for walks in the park with every morning, that's going to be a grief. That's going to be sad, right? There's even going to be wrath, right? When there's rejection of Christ, you get God's wrath. You get God's anger. Again, ladies, guys don't like to be rejected. (laughs) If you want to see his wrath, reject him. But this is why Jesus cried at Lazarus' tomb. Yes, he was sad that Lazarus died. He knew he would raise Lazarus again. He knew that. So why was he crying? See, all those, you heard the sisters, Martha and Mary, we know you'll raise him again in the resurrection. They were all believers. I believe that Jesus was crying because he was thinking about all the people who would never be raised from the dead. All the people who would never accept Christ. And they would die eternally. Remember, when you're saved, it's eternal salvation. Meaning you will never die again. You won't even taste death. It has no sting. Your spirit is is somehow God takes your spirit and you're with him before you even feel the pain, the impact, the pain of impact. God is God, right? If, if we could see and understand everything like he does, we, we would understand better, right? But that's what the Bible tells us, is there's no sting in death. You do not have to be afraid of death. Not if you're a believer. You don't have to fear anything. You've got God's power and you've actually got resurrection life on the inside of you. The actual life of Christ. You are a living, breathing being, spirit being one with almighty God. And if you've ever experienced either one or two days of sadness, of being without your lover for at least a day or a night or two, and you felt sad then... I mean, the Mar- Martha and Mary, the sisters were crying. Jesus was also crying. But what was he really crying about? Was it a couple days without Lazarus? No, it was eternity without Lazarus. All the people who would never awaken to righteousness, awaken to Christ. That wouldn't never be brought to life, right? Never be brought to the eternal saving knowledge of Christ Jesus. He can raise us to everlasting life to never die again. And if that's not good enough, we're not just raised to walk in newness of life, 
forever and ever. One day we actually get a new immortal eternal body where we'll be forever young. I mean, hello, God is good. But there is only one way to God and that's through the Son, Jesus Christ. So we have a story of a trickster with with Jacob here in this story and he gets tricked by an even bigger trickster, Laban. <laughs> but, you know, all of all of that you know, Jacob was sad. He had to go one night, one wedding night without his bride, without his wife. He got stuck with another woman. But an eternity without Rachel? See, God God didn't do that to Jacob. See, Jacob still got his Rachel the next night. But can you imagine how how crushed Jacob would have felt if all he ever got was Leah and he never got Rachel? Ooh, the deceit and the hurt and the trickery and the pain there. That would have not been fair, right, in his eyes. Why? Because he already worked seven years for somebody and then didn't get her. Guys, it you put yourself out there. When you start chasing broads, you put yourself out there to be rejected. And it's okay if she doesn't want you. It's okay if she doesn't want to be with you or doesn't want to marry you. God has somebody for you that is right for you. It's okay to be rejected. It hurts. But to be honest, you need to be okay with it. You, you've got to be okay with it. To be a mature, whole person, part of that is being, okay, God, if you have said no to this person, or if this person has said no, because remember, salvation, there's, there's twofold. God is offering it. He wants you to receive it. It's his mind, will, and emotions for you to be saved. God is always presenting himself to you. Jesus is always trying to woo you to him through his Holy Spirit. It is up to us as the bride to respond. And I believe that how well we respond as a bride or a lover of Christ also depends on how well we've been loved to Christ. Right? Love me back to God. That's what some people do in this life is they love you back to God. They love you into the kingdom of God or they help you into the kingdom of God, whatever the case may be. But a lifetime without Rachel would have been devastating for Jacob. And he probably would have cast off Leah as well and Laban and the whole household if he did not eventually just get what he wanted, which is what he was working for, right? Disappointment, right? There was disappointment that came in, but it was only temporary in Jacob's life, he does end up getting what he wants, which is Rachel, his bride. And that's also the parable, if you've heard the story on this family tree of, of Rachel, that God actually does in the end times, in the end, in these last generations of people, God will get the bride he's always really wanted. And there is absolutely nothing like being the wanted wife, the wanted lover of a power, almighty powerful man, right? Who can grant you your request. What would you like, Queen Esther? Asked King Xerxes to, to her when she petitioned him. What did she want? She wanted an entire tribe of people. She saved her entire race, her entire lineage of people. That's how big her heart was. She didn't just want more clothes. 
more money, more things, more shiny, more shiny to do. Th- I mean, all those things are nice. Don't get me wrong. I got, I got the bug too on that. Okay. Like <laughs> I love pretty things. And if you know me, you know, I like nice things, but it does not one define me. And two, it is not the end all be all. It is not the greatest prize or the greatest treasure in this world. Why? Cause it's temporary. It's going to burn. It's temporal. These houses, these cars, everything in this life will burn one day. Only what you do for Jesus Christ will last. That's why we prayerfully build our homes. We prayerfully build our communities, our lives, and our ministries. Guys, if you have been rejected, remember Christ was rejected. And the rock that they rejected has become the cornerstone Just because one woman maybe rejects you as the head of her household does not mean that you cannot be anointed and still the head of household of another woman or another tribe. God is faithful. When man is faithless or not faithful to one another, to covenant, whatever, God will still be faithful and can restore either lost things, broken things, or give you a new wife, a new woman. God is able to restore and bless you despite your failures, despite your past, despite your history. God's not holding your sins against you. You don't have to be embarrassed or ashamed of your past. Some ladies would love to build with that. Some ladies love all that you got going on. Some ladies are super impressed by you guys. Just because one woman wasn't doesn't mean another won't be. Always, always, always rejection is God's protection. But here's the thing. Ladies, if you like him and you're willing to build with him and you like all the materials that he's got to build with, you still need to go to God about one, how to deal with that man, two, how to talk to him, three, how to get him, and four, how to keep him, or even, you know, get him to marry you, whatever the case may be, if you're not already married to him, right? Isn't that what Leah did was talk? I mean, she listened to and obeyed her father. And here the ugly sister gets married first. The ugly one is the one who gets the guy and gets all the babies first. Why? Because she listened to her father. She followed her father's instructions. Now, unfortunately, it was a man's imperfect will and not God's good and perfect will. So she ends up getting hurt very very badly and has lots of years of suffering here and we don't not ever really told but you know Leah will be prized and crowned in heaven majorly why because she had a lifetime of not being loved by her husband but I feel like I don't know she once she had eight children that were um seven boys she did receive the love of those boys so you know God God is fair God does <laughs> God is definitely um, able to pay back things that you don't get that you wanted, perhaps, from another person. So what's the moral of the story in closing? Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> Everybody has a purpose, maybe. Um, I think for, for Leah, the moral of the story is, even if you get stuck with a man you never wanted to marry, never planned on, intended on marrying, God can make you fruitful. 
God can bless you. If you get stuck in a bad marriage, God can still bless your life. Because the reality is, for a lot of women, it, it is hard for them to leave a bad marriage. Not because it's hard to emotionally, right, have your heart walk away from that man or turn away from that man. I think that happens with women a lot faster than men realize it, that their heart turns away from them. Um, but they can't walk away a lot of times because of the the life they've built with that person, right, is now dependent upon that man. Making it hard to, for harder, you know, maybe not as hard today's day and age when women are doing so well for themselves, but for many once upon a time, and especially Leah, you know, where, where else was she going to go? This man was basically like a relative of a relative. So where was she going to go? Who, who wants her then? I mean, she's basically the, uh, got stuck with as the unwanted wife, not even the main wife of this real famous man, right? This Jacob. I mean, Jacob is popular in the Bible. So that's probably Leah's moral of the story. Um, Rachel, I guess her life, I've written about this in my blog, has served a greater purpose that she didn't know about. And Leah's did as well, right? A greater purpose because their stories are written in the eternal scripture um, for us to dissect. I mean, Jacob, his moral is careful how you do other people or you might get done the same way, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, That's kind of what happened to him with Laban. Um, But throughout all of it, even though there's a little bit of a mess and some craziness on the wedding night, they all end up being blessed. God still blesses. And God still, despite all of this mess, is actually keeping his original covenant that he had with Jacob's ancestors, Abraham and Isaac, from way back. Oh yeah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Despite their sins and their failures, God keeps his covenant with Abraham even through his grandson that was sort of fallen off at this point, even even through a sinful man. And how can he do this? How can God do this when man has broken covenant and walked away from God, right? When we've committed spiritual adultery, when you've turned to other gods, it's spiritual adultery in the eyes of God, right? That's why God turns from you when you turn from him, as far as idols go, it's a marriage. That's how it works. That's how it's meant to be one-on-one. Disloyalty is so unattractive to me. Guys, you think that women will just tolerate and put up with anything, but they won't. Bro, they can get another man. They can be with another man. They absolutely can. They do not have to sit around and wait for you to get your life together. Ladies, This is why it's important for you to pray about that man that you really like and that you maybe want to be with because it may not be God's timing or it may not be God's will. And sometimes God's will is just that it's not God's timing yet. You have to talk to God about that. God knows the truth and God will respect both your opinion, your feelings, and the man's opinion, and the man's feelings. It's an honor to be presented to someone as an option. 
And that's all God can do, just like he does with salvation. He presents with himself, right? Christ presents himself to us through the MJ podcast or the MJ ministry or a preacher on Sunday. And he does an altar call. He calls you to the altar. Will you come down and get married, right, to Jesus at the altar? Will you accept Christ? That's all that is. That's all an altar call is. Will you receive him as your Lord and Savior and and head of your life, right? Now, some people putting him in lordship over everything takes some time, but it doesn't change the fact that he is your eternal Lord once you receive him and you can never, ever, 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 ever be snatched out of his hands. That's the kind of love every woman and every person wants with their mate is one that's unbreakable, one that's unconditional. But it's real hard for men and women to love each other unconditionally when they either don't receive that in return or they've basically, you know, been cast aside. If, if they're not the wanted wife, right, then, then why should they stick around? Even if God has presented them, if they see that somebody's heart is not right or not for them, ladies, you need to, you know, duck and, and dodge. <laughs> get, get out of dodge. Get out of there. If you know his heart is not open to receiving you or God has presented you to him and he takes it lightly, that means that he doesn't realize what a gift you are to his life. He doesn't realize how valuable you could be as his wife. The woman you marry can change your life, can upgrade you, can change your social status and your class immediately. And again, all of this is really just a picture of Christ. When you are married to Jesus, when you receive him, you are a new creature. Be baptized, be washed in the waters of a new life. Break all those old bondages off of you through the resurrection, identifying yourself with the resurrection life of Christ. That's just baptism. Be washed clean of everything that's attacking your heart, body, soul, and mind that is of the realm of darkness from which we were all in until we were saved and brought into his glorious light. And then you will never, ever, ever hear the words, I never knew you from Christ. Because then you know him. You're one with him. And he knows you. And he's living inside you. That's his spirit. He is so close to you. Close literally as your breath. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows the sorrow of your soul. And he knows all the anguish, all the pain, and all the trials that you've been through. He knows all the deep hurts and the wounds that you've been afflicted with. And, he, and God knows how to heal them. Now, we all have things that we have to you know, deal with in just growth, right? Character growth in our life. But that happens over time. Only if a father wants to exasperate his children, causing them to rebel, right? Causing them to be angry, does he demand that they be the entire new package God has saved them to be the very next day, right, after their wedding? I mean, can you imagine expecting a woman to know you, understand you, be at your beck and call, and wait on you hand and foot 
the very next day after being with her. Like, that's not even reasonable, man. Like, that's not even doable. We're not capable of that as people. And God knows that. God will never put anything ill-fitting on you. He won't put a yoke or a bondage of slavery, of sin, one. And he certainly won't put a legalistic religious yoke on you. God knows us. And we act around, we go around here acting like there's something that we got to do to be right with God, which really is just denigrating the grace of God as if there is something that we can do to be right with God other than receiving Christ himself. It's all of Christ. It's none of us, despite how wicked we've been, despite how much of a Labanism we've been, despite how much of a Jacob a Jacobizer, I don't know if that's a word, but a womanizer we've been like, I don't know that Jacob was that way. I mean, he loved Rachel. He wanted Rachel. Um, I don't know that he was really a womanizer. He just was with another woman and had another wife first. That is, that is common. That is nothing to be ashamed of. Many people have fallen short of that. But before you get into that again, before you get into relationships again, if you're like me and have messed up in your past and been immoral or whatever, just have brokenness in your relationships, get with God and say, what am I doing wrong? Or what do I need to do better? Or what did I miss? Right? What didn't I, what didn't I see? What did I miss, God, that you were showing me and I just couldn't see it yet? God does not shame us for not knowing better Instead, he says, ask me for wisdom and I will give you wisdom without reproach. That's James chapter one. He gives liberally. He gives generously, greatly. He gives wisdom when we ask for it and he will not shame us for not knowing any better. All we can do is the, we're all doing the best we can do. And that's all that we can do. So praise God. I hope this has helped you. I hope this podcast has blessed you. It was not one that I actually planned on. My script was actually totally different. And so I have gone off script today and um, recorded this one the best that I could based on where the Holy Spirit was leading. So God bless you. I do pray that God will give you another chance at love. And that you will receive Jesus Christ when he calls on you, when he calls upon you to be saved. Whatever that next step is for you, if it's salvation, if it's um, walking in a different way in this world, asking for wisdom, whatever it is, I pray that you would be ready to receive from God because he sure is ready to pour out his blessings upon you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.